Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Raw Talk. In this episode, we have a very exciting and iconic guest on the show, Jillian Jensen, with us today. How are you? I am good. How are you? I'm so happy to have you here. I've loved you from the start of your <laughs> when I saw your first audition uh, on X Factor 2012. Um, I mean, I, I was 14 when I saw your audition, and I was like, "Wow, you know, this is this girl's incredible." Um, and I've just looked up to you ever since. So I'm so honored to have you on the show. I appreciate you, dude. Isn't it crazy? Like 11 years ago, like yeah. 2023, right now. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where does like, the time go? <laughs> yeah, it feels like a lifetime ago. <laughs> Literally. Oh my gosh. So since then. What have you been up to? What's been on your radar? And really just how you been? Um, I've been good. I I mean, I had like a a crazy, I mean, the past, gosh, 11 years. Um, the short, let's see, pinpoints. After the show, uh, I was trying to figure out what the heck I wanted to do with my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the musical world. Um, and then you know, I ended up, I think the real start of it was I ended up deciding to move to LA. I kind of changed my name for a bit to kind of escape the whole uh, TV show, reality TV, whatever stuff. And um, then I started, I did a cover with Postmart and Jukebox, ended up touring with them, moved back home because of some personal stuff, and then uh, started a country band with the same name. Uh, we have done a, um, we've had a great time. Uh, we opened up for Old Dominion, Mitchell Tenpenny, and Jordan Davis within like the first like year of being a band and just kind of been focused on always writing music, whatever genre that is, like under my own name and my because I am just kind of a mod podge of things and yeah. then keeping my 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 deep roots of country and southern rock uh in the Amberize game. So I mean that's like the briefest synopsis I could give you, but that's <laughs> wow. No, I'm not. Oh, so incredible. So incredible. And you've done, I mean, you've done so much since then. And I wanted to ask you, you know, from your roots and from your start, you are from Massachusetts. I am as well. Two Massachusetts Yo. girls. <laughs> Yo. Yes. Not all, Mass- not all Massachusetts people are rude. Like, just like, so everyone <laughs> listening understands, like, there's like so many nice people in Massachusetts. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can't even tell you how many times over the years people are like, you don't seem like you're from Massachusetts. And I'm just oh like, well, that's because TV depicts every stereotype as <laughs> yeah. as inauthentically as possible. Um, but it's fine. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I mean, it's true. And you were, I mean, you were 19 when obviously the world saw you on your audition, but what was your first steps and your first, you know, really experiences with being in the musical world? I mean, what really got you into music? What was your inspiration? And, you know, what was that journey like for you before X Factor? Well, I started doing music when I was like super young. The first time I sang on a stage, I was two. Um, and that was just for like, uh, I don't know if you know those like all age pageants things. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Pa- past pageant experience. We will never go into that. <laughs> Zero out of ten. I love what they do for people in regards to scholarships and really lifting up women, but not my scene. <laughs> right, not for everyone. <laughs> it's not for everybody. Um, but uh, yeah, so I I did that, and then. Um, I mean, I always had music in my life. My mother's a vocal coach. Uh, Both my parents are big lovers of all kinds of music. So it was very much in the home. I think my first experience, like seriously within the industry was um, when I I think I was 15, I was uh, brought into a girl group uh, called the Varsity Girls, which was actually pretty, pretty decently known, like 
in the New England area. We had like a song called Be You on um, on the radio and stuff locally. And uh, we just did a bunch of stuff like that. We uh, opened up for Kiss Concert. Uh, Kiss 108, what's up? Oh, uh, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, and um, and then Kiss Concert in Connecticut. Like we, we had an amazing run and it was definitely like a big dive like into the music industry where you know we had stylists kind of like making us dress certain ways like I had to be the rocker chick and like there was very interesting dynamics within that but as a as an overall it was such a positive experience in regards to like dipping my toes in um before before everything else obviously yeah I mean that's huge right there congratulations on that too I had no idea um you You know know what no (laughs) no one really knows like any of (laughs) they're they're just like that's the girl that cried on tv that's her Um, (laughs) her." (laughs) Uh, I I just don't google my name anymore Uh, (laughs) oh my gosh I mean I I mean I again I mean I remember watching audition I still watch it and it makes me feel so good and, and you know you did also bring up and actually ironically in that, in that audition as well that um you did do with bullying and yeah. you know bullying is something that we all talk about on the show I've had many many people you know speak up about their own experiences um I mean really in a nutshell uh what was your journey like with that as well and because I know that I mean bullying's rough bullying just sucks you know it just sucks and everyone goes through it and you know if someone doesn't go go through it I mean consider yourself lucky <laughs> because it's very common so you know, what was, what was that like for you? And um, not only what was it like for you, but what was it like really talking about that on a worldwide level? Yeah. I mean, the, here's the thing as an, as a 30 year old now, like looking back on everything and like really kind of like diving into, uh, cause I love psychology so much. Um, you kind of nailed it on the head where I think everyone a hundred percent goes through it in some right. capacity of their life. And that's kind of the, the, the misrepresentation of like, people just assume that it's always going to be, you know, I don't even want to give a stereotype to who people would just assume would be bullied. Cause I think that that's awful. Like, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's hard to explain. Like people assume that they can pinpoint who would be bullied. I'll say it like right, that. Right. But in all reality, like you don't know what's going on at home with other people. You don't know what's going on with family dynamic, with uh work dynamic, whether they're like at their first job, like in school, all that stuff. Like everyone has like some, degree of understanding what it's like to either be talked down to or or put into a certain place where they have to fit a pedestal and they're not making it so like they have really hard parents or whatever whatever that dynamic is right so for me personally um it kind of all started in seventh grade for you know I'm not going to go into all the crazy details because it would be a a three-hour long conversation (laughs) but uh, or or longer but (laughs) let's just say let's just say I made I made a tough decision to do the right thing in seventh grade. And unfortunately the right thing made me the uncool person for doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, that kind of changed over time as to why I was bullied that seventh grade slash eighth grade. It was kind of the continuation of that decision in seventh grade. But then when I moved into the whole high school experience, you know, there were some kids from the school that I went to in seventh grade there who just kind of just, you know, that kind of continued, but really the premise of everything was I've always been a very, very just like quirky individual. 
in general. And what's so crazy is I feel like if I would have been born like 10 years later, it would have been so much more highly accepted in society because I feel like nowadays, like the people who are like quirky and like outgoing and goofy and like fun and like all that stuff, those are the people that are cool now, which is so just different to how it was when I was growing up. Like I would talk to anyone as though they were just someone that could be my friend and and I would get goofed on for that or like whatever and there were other things that happened too that go into the details but just I think the overall dynamic of it is I'm still the same person that I was then obviously a grown version of that but what people love about me as an adult I was made fun of for as a high schooler yeah so (laughs) it's so weird dude like I don't even know how to how to present it in any way other than that like I just I love people I don't care if they don't love me I'm just really loud and outgoing and weird and and I and I appreciate that about myself and unfortunately I grew up in a time where that wasn't very like socially accepted like I mean, I grew up in the Hollister, like, preppy. (laughs) Yeah, the era. You know what I mean. Like, that was, like, if you didn't fit that mold, you were not cool. And, like, it just, it's sad, dude. Like, that whole, that whole time of, uh, you know, the early 2000s, it was, it was a pretty um, terrible time for I think anyone who didn't fit a certain mold whereas I'm like so happy that we're on such a better path and I know bullying still exists I think we have gotten on a better track of being more societally I don't even know if that's a word but I'm using it anyway I'm gonna use it as a word societally aware (laughs) Um, I'm glad that we're in a a place where we're more societally aware of like the fact that being different is so rad like and that's what makes you so special um and yeah that's kind of the wrap-up of it like again so many details but kind of the stem of where everything happened and it put me in a really dark place you know I already I already suffered from uh bipolar disorder undiagnosed at that point bipolar disorder and chronic depression and you know what people don't really talk about with like having all of that and anxiety is the fact that like even like something small isn't small you know what I mean like especially from the bipolar perspective of it like things that someone will say that they think is just a funny little jab literally then wraps around your whole world and you're hearing it over and over again and it's getting bigger and bigger in the pro you know what I mean like that kind of stuff and when you have like so many of those little tic tacs they become an entire wall yeah that you can't get over right yeah I agree with you. I mean, you and I, we're only five years apart. I'm 25. And, you know, I grew up, you know, we grew, we grew up in the same way. I mean, we grew up in, in basically in each other's backyards. I mean, we're both from Massachusetts and it's rough. I mean, school's rough. And um, the fact that also to you used your music as well to kind of cope with that and, and you know, kind of more or less uh, speak through that too is, is huge for me. And, uh, you know, music heals, right? It does. Oh, a hundred, a hundred percent. I think what was, I think what made it the roughest for me was the fact that because I leaned so heavily into music, like that was just another thing that was made fun of. Like, right. 
you know, and like, it was the era of introducing, you know, like MySpace was already big. Facebook was just popping off. Like, um, you know, people would make like groups on Facebook, like no Jill Jensen, I will not go to any of your concerts or <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? Like stuff yeah. like that. We're like, we're like now looking back, I'm like, honestly, that's flipping hilarious. But <laughs> at, the sa- at the same time, like to be 15 16 and like the one thing that's emotionally grounding you is the one thing that's also well not the only thing but one of the things that's being like literally just like ripped apart Mm. it's so rough dude like and yeah kids are kids can be I don't want to talk to them like like young adults rather can be just really vile man like Mm -hmm. and it's hard because like how do you uh, keep your head up through stuff like that like how do you keep pushing forward with the you know the thing that's like making you feel like okay I have a purpose here but then you're like oh do I have a purpose here like right. what's the point of being here then like what's you know it gets really dark really quick <laughs> yeah I I agree yeah it can get really dark and um, it can be difficult to push through those things especially when you're battling mental health um you know, mental health too. I, I speak a lot on this, um, this podcast as well, because mental health is something that I feel like everyone knows about, but we don't all talk about. And mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, we need to just get that education out there, get that vibe out there and get that knowledge out there and those experiences out there. Um, just for everyone to learn off something, you know, off somebody, you know, it's very, very Absolutely. important. Um, mental health too, you know, in, in your own you know life and journey, um, what has that been like for you? And not only as a woman, but also, within your music you know has your music helped you has it helped you grow has it helped you you know become uh you know who you are today oh absolutely um I think you know even from a super young age I always knew that there was something wrong with my with my chemical makeup in my brain (laughs) Mm -hmm. um but it wasn't really like I mean I grew up in the in the family dynamic which I know is everyone's family dynamic like it's 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 easier to talk about it now but like you and I probably had similar experiences where everything's swept under the rug. Like there's yeah. not like, like, no, the house is great. Like the family's perfect and everything's ah. like, you know, yeah. like that was just like the world that we kind of grew up in. And, mm-hmm. and, and I don't blame any adult for like trying to keep it that way. Like I don't blame either of my parents for trying to keep it that way because that's just how they were raised, you know, like right. you just sucked it up and moved on type of thing, you know? And, um, but like at eight years old, I mean, the first, the first song, uh, no, let me rephrase on the first EP that I put out when I was 12, uh, the oldest song on the EP was a song I wrote when I was eight and it was literally called lost. Like the song is like sad, like the song is sad. And I'm like, that was an eight year old that wrote that. And now looking back, I'm like, damn, like music really was kind of that, that grounding factor that got me through from you know even before that six years old to now 30 Mm -hmm. um it's the only place where I can be like super honest whether that's me being sarcastic or dark or funny or sad like it's it's the only time that I feel like I'm actually able to be like super true like Mm -hmm. very beyond truthful yeah Yeah. Um, that's peace yeah oh absolutely absolutely I love that for you. Um, I'm not musically gifted at all. So <laughs> I, there's so many ways to be creative. But so yeah, many. I love that. Yeah, I, I love that. And your voice is very unique. Um, it, it, you know, even when you were 19, when you auditioned for X Factor, I mean, 
there was just such a spark about you. And um, it was, it was actually incredible to see someone so young up on that stage. You know what I mean? It was incredible. And um, I'm sure, you know, not only me, but I mean, so many millions and millions of people have definitely taken from you and learned something from you. Um, As far as, you know, bullying or mental health or just learning to, you know, push through with their own lives. Um, So very inspirational. Thank you. No, I, I definitely, I don't regret talking about any of that stuff on um in my audition but it definitely was not the premise like people who who know me or like certain people who like really like closely um I can literally think of like five names that come to mind but like closely <laughs> like kind of like asked me like certain questions and followed things along the way like they know when I went into uh the cattle cattle call auditions whatever you call that where it's just like a bunch of people that show up um I did not say one darn thing about myself like I did not (laughs) oh wow I would I was scared to even talk um but because I get very very awkward in auditions I get super stressed out um even to this day but yeah I I didn't say anything about myself got through the next round didn't say anything about myself got to the round before the actual audition and the executive producer basically the way it's set up is you're in this like small room there's an executive producer there and a camera person that's it so they're filming you to like get to know you a but b kind of get to know like what they want to make sure they touch on if you do an audition right right so again I didn't want to talk about anything like I truly didn't like honest to god like I did not want to say a darn thing because think about it I was 19 I was only like a year and a half out of high school like this was all (laughs) it's not like this was something that I grew past and had time to marinate on no like this was so fresh and so the the executive producer started asking just like random questions about like oh well what does music mean to you I'm like oh music you know it's everything to me gets me through everything and he's like what do you mean it gets you through things I'm like oh it's got me through some hard times what hard times did it you know what I mean like jab 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 And to the point where I'm bawling my eyes out and he's like, all right, you can sing. So now they have all this background footage knowing like what triggering questions. And before, you know, I got a maybe, I didn't even get a yes to go do the actual audition. I found out like just beforehand, like maybe a week before the audition that I, that they changed it from a maybe to a yes. And so I went and they interviewed me for an hour and a half. Like all those segments that you see of me talking during the audition, that was like an hour and a half of me in front of my family and all my students, because I taught piano, all my students, my mom's voice students who like looked up to me that wanted to be there, like me in front of all these people that know me super well, but know nothing about what I'd been through mm-hmm. because I was super personal about that stuff. Um, like all these people that I now have to like bear my heart in yeah. front of because they're asking me questions that they know are going to make me like super, super emotional. And I was just a mess. And then they were like, all right, time to go to stage. And I'm like, you've <laughs> got to be kidding me. <laughs> Gosh. So, you know, like, I'm so proud that like, I do get to, I have helped so many people, but like, that was never, like, I never was ready for right. that. It wasn't the plan, right? No, I was never ready for that. Wow. At all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, here you are, you're 19 years old and you're up on this huge stage. Um, you know, you're in front of Demi Lovato, you're in front of Simon Cowell, you're in front of Britney Spears, you know, you're in front of LA and, you know, there's, again, it's, it's so in, in, insane that, you know, I don't even know how you even held it together. I would have been 
screaming I would have been like whoa dude I was I mean my my I think my crying was the prime example of like me trying to hold myself together for so long and then just like completely unloading in the only way that like made sense for my body (laughs) right because I looked up to Demi so 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 much yeah um through everything we had similarly that we'd been through um and you know Brittany gosh I grew up do you remember those dance along videos where like it taught you the dance to crazy and stuff like that dude like that's what I (laughs) did did in the living room like come on like that like that whole experience and Simon was like the only person I ever cared about his opinion like I know that sounds awful because I really do look up to those other three so much but like to me in that moment I literally just kept saying to myself if Simon Cowley says I'm says I'm all right not even good just all right then like my whole day is made. Like, I don't even care. I will walk home on a cloud. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, like, over here trying to hold it together and singing in front of someone that really inspires me, a song that's really personal. You know, Jessie J is one of my most favorite singers, and I think she, that song just, like, nailed everything I really felt, you know? Right. So, you know, it just got to a point where I just couldn't hold it together anymore, and I just started bawling my eyes out and still trying to stay in tune, which was... uh <laughs> impossible so oh my gosh yeah and you made it pretty far in the competition you made it to judges houses um you made it to Demi's house and again I I loved I loved all I mean every segment that they did on you you know to your first to you know judges house uh it was all incredible it was all incredible and you did hold yourself together I mean again for being 19 I would not have been able to do that at 19 so I give you the biggest (laughs) thoughts it was it was and you know um so you got let go and again you know was that something that you thought was going to happen you know what, what was what was that like for you when you actually got sent home you know um, um I'm sure it was devastating I'm sure well what's really sad and I don't mean to make anyone who's listening to this like super depressed but what was really 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 sad was the fact that like I <laughs> okay so do you remember season one at all so I actually talked to Melanie Amaro about this but season one Melanie ended up getting sent home at Judge's Homes. Simon ended up realizing he made a mistake, went and got her. And then the girl ended up winning the show. Here's the thing. I would never expect to win a show. Like, that's never been my goal, like, um, ever. Um, But in my head, like, when I got sent home, like, I was, A, devastated. And then, B, I spent, like, two months or yeah we got I got sent home in August and then the show aired September I was needless to say I was just at home for like two months in straight depression convinced that Demi was gonna show up at my house like I was like nope nope she's coming back for me she's coming back for me she's coming back for me yeah like so sad like and I know that's super depressing to even think about but like yeah I just I didn't feel emotionally like my time was done Mm -hmm. um just because I felt like I had a lot more to give, I think. Because um, I wasn't super happy with the uh, um, Gravity performance. Uh, not that that was the only song I sang for that. They had us each sing two songs. And then they chose which one they were going to air. And, of course, they showed the one where I crack. But it's fine. <laughs> I forgive them. Um, but <laughs> 11 years later. Yeah, 11 years later, I finally forgive you guys. Um, But, (laughs) but, you know, I just, I wasn't very, like, I wasn't 
proud of myself with that. So that was like why I then was like, okay, well, I'm going to give it another go. And I ended up trying out for Idol the next year. Right. Um, but yeah, I think I've never been a person that really cared about competing with other people. It was always me like emotionally just beating myself up and competing with myself. Right. Um, so I think that's why I was more so just like upset, you know, because I was like, Damn, I had my, I I had something else to give you, right? You know, right? Yeah, I can't imagine that. I mean, you know, you build all this kind of like trust as well. And again, you and Demi had this incredible, uh, beautiful bond from the start. And um, yeah, I mean, I I couldn't imagine that. I couldn't imagine that. But you know, I remember Nick Jonas did call you sexy. So. Oh my god! So obviously, <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't in the room when that happened. So. <laughs> So needless to say, when we were all like sitting down, because we did watch parties like at families' houses and stuff. Right, right, right. And when that happened, when I tell you, I physically was sitting cross-legged, <laughs> like on the ground, like crisscross applesauce on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> I shot up in the air. How I even physically moved that way, I don't know, because it was all just like bum power getting me up in the air. Um, I lifted up. Like it was, you know, my time to just go cry into uh, Nick Jonas's arms and marry him. But it's okay. I'm happily married. He's happily married. Yeah. I guess. I guess we we're fine now. It worked out for the best. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, sorry, I, sorry, Priyanka, and sorry, Clay. But you know, it's fine. I was a little jealous, but not gonna lie. I was like, oh, what? <laughs> uh, what's even funnier is that like he probably thought that I was stalking him. Well, I was not stalking him. I went to go see. Do you know? Uh, Mikey Delisa by chance I don't he's awesome so look up his music he's great that's a little plug for him but uh my friends and I went to go see Mikey Delisa play at Bitter End in New York City and I hope to God that somehow Nick ends up hearing this from my side of the story so <laughs> what happened was this was I got cut in August this uh performance was like the beginning of September it was my birthday September 10th so we went down to New York kind of to celebrate my birthday and go to this show and Mikey Delisa is related to the Jonases, like by marriage. Oh, or something. Wow. <laughs> okay. So who shows up to this show? But all of them. So I'm sitting front, like, because wow. Bitter End's a small place. Like, it's, I mean, it's not small, small, but it's like, it's, it's, you see everybody in the room. So I'm sitting at this table, and Nick is literally sitting a table over from me, just like oh. grilling me almost probably thinking in his head like either she followed me here oh. or he couldn't remember he knew he knew my face but didn't know why he knew my face type of thing you know what I mean like right. one of those moments right so my friend Mia was just like dude Nick is like staring at you and I was like I can't go over and say hi I can't I can't <sighs> um so needless to say I'm pretty convinced that if I would have gone over and said hi me and Nick would be the ones that are married to this day but <laughs> It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Just a little background tea on that. But that was before the show even aired. The show didn't air until September 12th of that year. Right. So, oh well, it all worked out for the best. <laughs> I know. I missed my opportunity. It's fine. That was my pick me up after being let go. Just staring into his eyes all night. It's fine. <laughs> funny oh my gosh so we do a little game on the show we're gonna be doing seven questions with you okay rapid fire kind of thing yes rapid fire so here we go 
one what is your go-to song at the moment oh god um oh you said rapid fire crap uh um i'll go back to you say by lauren daigle oh that's a good one yeah what what is your biggest piece of advice for someone going into the music industry um every no is just a step ladder to your yes mm, yeah uh from the beginning of your music journey to now what have you learned about yourself uh that i refuse to be put into a box because i love all kinds of music in every capacity oh love that love that <laughs> <laughs> what is your most memorable moment as a musician um these are like not easy questions um i'm sorry <laughs> i should have watched you I think I, I'm going to have to say, you know, something just because it was fun because it was our own music opening up for Old Dominion. Mm, it, cool. it was random. It was beautiful. And we got to play original music in front of just country fans. That was great. Aww. Um, what is your biggest form of self-care at the moment? Um, my baths. That's <laughs> a good one. I- I love a glass of wine, a movie, and my bubble bath. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> um, what are your future goals at the moment with your career? Uh, just to continue writing. I mean, th- I don't necessarily ever want to be like a major star. I just really want to be the person behind it all that makes people feel something lyrically and melodically. So, yeah. Yeah, very well said. And last but not least, uh, what is one word or quote that defines you? <laughs> um, sure. I have it tattooed on my back. Success will be your greatest revenge. Oh, I love that one. So, oh. yeah, just always pushing forward and focusing on that versus how to get even. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, again, thank you so much, Jillian Jensen, for joining Raw Talk. This has been incredible just interviewing you, meeting you, hearing you, uh, listening to you. <laughs> You've just been such an incredible guest. So thank you so much. I look up to you and I just, again, I wish you all the best. Thank you so, so, so much. Sorry. I'm just like choking. <laughs> I, I'm so sorry. Thank you so, 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 so much. I seriously appreciate you. And I, again, I said it to you privately, but I want to make sure I say it on recording. I love your mission. I love what you do and I love what you stand for. And I just, I appreciate you having me.